Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Hi everyone, happy Sunday. We're going to start off with a quiz today. Are you ready for your pop quiz? Just only one question. Guess what percentage of Americans are on permanent medication of some kind, some kind of prescribed medicine? So the answer is 70% of Americans have been prescribed some kind of permanent medicine. The author of the book that we're using this month has a problem with that. So we're using Making Life Easy, Christiane Northrup's book. And of course, she is a medical doctor, right? So she's one of the people prescribing these medications. And yet she says there's a fundamental problem with this. The problem is that we're actually treating our symptoms. So most of the medications being prescribed are for the so-called lifestyle diseases. And it's as though we have no control over our lifestyle. And so we're stressed out, we take pills to lower our blood pressure, and we eat poorly, so we take uh, pills to help with our cholesterol and with our digestion. We live life on the edge, and that, that cutting edge, I guess, if you will, is great cause for anxiety and depression and so on and so forth. And so over, slightly over 70% of us, rather than deal with perhaps a more fundamental cause are going to allow ourselves just to be as stressed out as we choose and we'll take a pill for it. We're going to allow ourselves to be just as upset and anxious about the world and what's going on as we like. Bring it on. I got a pill for it. <laughs> so her thesis statement about this book, which I think you'll appreciate, is wait a minute here. Maybe it's time to look at some of the underlying causes. Maybe it's time to look at some of our beliefs that put us in these positions. Maybe it's time that we take a more holistic idea of what our life is like and what we're like. And so I think we're going to have some fun. Let me read you the promise out of the book, though. She says, think of this book as an owner's manual for bringing heaven down to earth. When you learn to align with your divine self, your life simply becomes easier. You have access to guidance that will take you in the right direction. You're able to make choices that are in your best interest. Things will simply flow. You will allow yourself to be happy and filled with grace. The other place I want to talk about, though, before we get into some of the nitty-gritty about how you can actually use this information really to change your life, I think there's some fundamentals that she sets up that are important to know. Fundamentals, if you will, in the spiritual realm. First of all, she says that we're like a fancy dessert. Let me explain. Take something like a cherry pie a la mode. She says, first of all, there's a fundamental layer on the bottom that represents our body. And she said, we don't talk about it that much because it's perhaps not as important as it needs to be. And I'll explain some more about that later. But we don't talk about, oh, come on over. We're going to have a crust pie tonight, right? I mean, the crust is there. It's important. But what's really important is what goes inside of it. And so there's the body, yes. But she talks about the soul of the pie, if you will, our soul 
as being more important than that. That's the thinking part of us. It's the emotional part of us. It's the invisible part of us that perhaps you might say is riding around in this body, but yet not part of this body. So part of it and not part of it, right? Still part of the temporary container, if you will, of our spirit, but yet tied into something even more important. And that's where we get to the a la mode. The a la mode part of the pie is our spirit. Bottom part, the crust, just the mechanics of our physical body. The filling part of the pie is our soul. It's the part of us that's creative. It's our mind. It's our emotions. It's the invisible part. And then at the very top is the spiritual part. And, and her claim, which is very similar to what we teach here on most Sundays, is that there is a divine part of us as well that doesn't really have anything to do with the body. It's pure spirit. It's our higher wisdom self. It's that part of us that's tied in at a fundamental level on high with every other person on the planet, every other consciousness on the planet. That part of us that is in the midst of spirit itself and can't even be separate from spirit. You might even think of it as a subset or just a portion of spirit itself. So those are the the three levels that she sees in each one of us. And this is important because she says so often we only work at healing that crust. We only work at healing the body, not the emotions, not the mental constructs part of ourselves, not our beliefs, not our feelings. And we certainly don't touch the part of us that's immortal, that heavenly aspect or divine part of ourselves. Instead, she says, we spend almost all of our time on the effect, on the crust, on the part of us that, that is perhaps the most tangible. And, may, and maybe that's why we do. It's the part that's easy to get our hands on, if you will. So let's take care of it. And, uh, and she's not saying that's wrong. She's not saying there's anything wrong uh, with taking medications, of course, with doing what's right with our physical form. But she says that ultimately is not sufficient. We need to look up. Uh, we need to look higher if we really want to solve problems uh, for all time. The other thing she talks about, I have a joke uh, to introduce. There was a couple, John and Martha, who were really into spiritualism. They vowed that if one of them should die, the remaining one would try to contact their partner in the afterlife 30 days exactly after death. Well, unfortunately, shortly after, the young man died. And true to her word, his sweetheart tried to contact him in the spirit world exactly 30 days later. At the seance, she called out, John, John, this is Martha. Do you hear me? Well, a ghostly voice answered her. Yes, Martha, this is John, and I can hear you. Martha tearfully asked, oh, John, what is it like where you are? It's so beautiful, he replied. There are azure skies, a soft breeze, sunshine, beautiful lawns, so beautiful. What do you do all day, asked Martha. Well, Martha, we get up before sunrise, we eat some good breakfast, and then there's nothing but making love until noon. (laughs) After lunch, we, we nap a little bit and then have grand adventures up until dinner time. Then we eat, and there's more love play until we fall asleep about 11 p.m., Well, Martha's kind of taken aback by this kind of talk. She said, is that what heaven is really like? Heaven, he says. I'm not in heaven, Martha. Well, then where are you? Well, I've been reincarnated. I'm a rabbit in Arizona. (laughs) 
So the reason that that actually is important as opposed to just funny uh, is is our author this month a firm believer in reincarnation? And so another pop quiz. How many people here believe in reincarnation? That you will come back into another life, an, an embodied life similar to this one. You know, the statistics prove out really well. It's at 25% in America. In America, 25% of the people believe in reincarnation. Now, in some ways, that's surprising, right? Most of us coming from that Judeo-Christian background have that sort of heaven and hell picture, right? And so how does that exactly square up with this idea of reincarnation? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that with you all. Uh, but the reason it's important is if you believe in eternal life, you can take the longer look at your own life right now. Now, in Science of Mind, we don't necessarily specify that we will be reincarnated in, uh, in another lifetime in a physical body, but we absolutely do believe in eternal life. Ernest Holmes, the founder of Science of Mind, was famous for describing it as an upward spiral of existence. He didn't necessarily think that when we passed on, we would inhabit another human body again, but that absolutely life would go on, that perhaps it might not even be in a body at all, but our consciousness would move forward, we would still recognizably be ourselves to ourselves, that truly life is eternal. And whether you go with that one or the idea of reincarnation or, or some other picture of eternal life, the good news is it allows you to dwell less on worrying about right now. Have you known people that are really on a mission to somehow do lifetimes worth of work in the next 20 minutes, like preferably before the weekend is out? Do you know what I mean? People who do not feel satisfied unless the, the house is immaculate, people who are putting off uh, maybe even having a wonderful weekend like we're having now in order to get, quote, stuff done that just can't wait. Now, there are times, of course, when that is called for, but I want to suggest that that really driven attitude, I think, is based maybe on a faulty premise. The faulty premise that there is only so much time to get an eternity of my life force expressed. And especially you'll find people winding up in careers where they really let go of their family and their friends in a, in a very single-minded attempt to accomplish something probably that would take more than one lifetime to really accomplish, right? Whether it's uh, being best in your field, whether, of course, I've even seen this in, in what we think of not necessarily in, quote, careers. Haven't you seen people wrapped up in their children sometimes that way? Haven't you seen people wrapped up in, uh, in exercises like ministry, for instance, <laughs> right? Sometimes we can become so enamored with and on point with accomplishing stuff that we don't even recognize that our lives are going by lickety split. And the people that we love, the experiences that might really call to us in terms of love and light, in terms of joy and peace, we don't even get a chance to notice them. 
Well, this is a fundamental issue in this book. And whether you want to think of it as reincarnation, whether you want to think of it as the ability always to, to do what needs to be done while you can still pay attention to what's going on now, this is a fundamental issue for reducing the stress for reducing the anxiety, for reducing some of those things that are causing us to go to the doctor for those prescriptions. We're literally making ourselves sick through stress, through worry, through anxiety, through being upset, through being at odds with the world around us. We internalize it And we're basically saying the way life is is just so upsetting to me, so uncomfortable to me, that I'm going to shut it down, turn it off, ignore it, and seek the refuge of, oh, I don't know, drugs and alcohol. Sometimes the drugs are prescribed, sometimes not, right? So the idea here of this book is, wait a minute, let's take the longer view What if we don't have to get everything done before 5 o'clock? What if, in fact, there are things to be done that maybe aren't for us to do? What if we really took our life as it unfolds to find the peace and the joy and the sweetness as part of the journey? Not thinking we're going to run out of time, not thinking that we have to make our mark in a certain way by a certain time frame, really allowing the peace and joy that so so clearly exists in the world to be there for us instead of that impression that there's always something more to do, that someone else needs something from me, that the world can't exist unless I reach the next hurdle or make the next accomplishment or the next signpost. The other thing that she talks about that I want to cover briefly here, she talks about three fundamental principles of existence. And you'll see these woven in the talks really for the rest of the month. And so I kind of wanted to to get out there these three fundamental principles that she talks about. The first one is the life principle. And for those of you who were here last month, you'll remember that Howard Thurman talked about this, this life principle. And it really is so simple. It's the idea that spirit is always wanting to explore and have a greater life through each one of us. And so it's that urge that has us try out new things. It's that sensibility of wanting to uh, reach out to other people, to be in the world, to express life more. And it really is the urge, if you will, of your spiritual nature to have more love, to have more joy, to have more peace, uh, to have more abundance, to have all of the the experience, the literal experience of all of the divine creativity of God itself. It's as though God is asking you always, kind of tapping you on the shoulder, how can we have more life today? How can there be more love today? What could we do to experience more beauty or more joy today? That that little piece, uh, and maybe not so little of a piece in us, that wants to experience more life and more love. So that's, she says, is a fundamental principle. And when we can tune into that principle, when we really see that it's God wishing to express itself through us, oh my gosh, when we are in alignment with that, each moment of every day can be a blessing. 
So part of what we're going to learn this month is actually how to tune into that life principle, how to recognize that actually for us, Spirit is urging us on into greater love, greater life, greater peace, and greater joy. The second principle that she talks about is that our mind is the builder. Now remember in our three-layer pie, the middle part, our soul, if you will, is the invisible workings of our mind and our emotions. And she says that is really our creative force. In the science of mind, we call it that co-creative part of our mind or the, the divine creative process where our thoughts actually become things where our beliefs and our intentions, our hard-held emotions and so on, those things co-create with our spiritual nature to inform our view of the world. And so literally, what we think we start seeing in the world, what we believe to be true, what we can accept in our heart, what we expect is what we're going to get. For one thing, it's the lens through which we look. If you think of the world as unsafe and troublesome, oh my gosh, you open your eyes and you will always be able to find things that are unsafe and troublesome. If you look at the world through the idea of, of peace and enjoying life, I tell you, there will always be things of that nature that you can find in the world. So, so part of what she's really teaching us here is not to evaluate the world but to evaluate the lens through which we look at the world. What are my beliefs? Do I believe this is a, a safe and happy place to be? Or do I believe that it's fearful and all kinds of people out to get me? Either vision that you might have, you can find a way to make it true. It's literally how you are looking for what you're going to get. And with the infinite variety of spirit, there will always be out there what you're planning on getting, what you expect to get, what you believe is right for you. In this idea of our mind as being the builder, we need to learn how to train our mind to do a little better building for us. It has the power, that co-creative power with spirit, but what are we going to feed into it? Is it our fear that we're going to feed into it or our love? Is it our belief in, in chaos and trouble? Or is it our sense of joy and peace? Because what we feed into it becomes that lens. What we believe to be true, we will start seeing out in the world. The final part of this is what we're very familiar with. The life principle, mind is the builder, and those two together create the physical, our body. And this is, of course, at the heart of her teaching around medicine, her, her teaching around healing, is that the place, the source, the beginning of really treating yourself for illnesses of either the mind, the body, or the spirit is not in the body. The body is simply an effect of the other two. And whether you're talking about your personal body, your physical body, or the body of your experience, your experience out in the world, trying to change those things first will generally only bring you temporary relief. How many people here have really had their heart set on some kind of a particular outcome? 
whether it was a certain job that you really wanted, whether it was maybe a new car that you could picture in your mind and, and so clearly wanted and thought it would solve a lot of problems. For some of you, it might be a certain relationship that you were really looking forward to, really had a lot of hopes on. How many people here had that level of, of a true desire? I think most everybody at some point in your life has something that you would say your heart is just set on it. Is that, is that a good way to describe it? My heart is just set on this relationship or this job or whatever. And then, if you don't mind, how many of us have been disappointed when we really got it? Nearly, nearly every, yeah, yeah. I, I wish it weren't true, <laughs> right? I wish it weren't true. The trouble was we had our heart set on an effect, we had our heart set on something or some experience or some situation, and it had no effect on who we are. We were thinking that that new car would make us feel free. We were thinking that that new relationship would bring love into our lives. We were thinking that that new job would take care of our issues around abundance. And they might have for about this long. And for those of you on the podcast, my fingers are really close together. <laughs> the trouble is, we have not changed ourselves. If I'm feeling lonely, putting me in a relationship, maybe for about a week will help with that. If I'm feeling the poverty of life and feeling lack and limitation, gosh, getting a raise at, at work will help me for, through maybe one round of bills and, until that new credit card comes. It's like we haven't changed the inside. We've only worked on changing the outside. So this month, we're going to work on that inner work. We're going to see that the spirit as life principle can be the oomph that we use for moving forward and that the mind as builder principle is all we need in terms of the tools for making it literally happen. But we've got to resist the urge to do the Band-Aid situation. The Band-Aid situation is, oh my gosh, I just got to do this one thing and then everything's going to be all right. I just need to get this new job and then everything will fall into place. I just need to get this divorce so I can start living my life. I just need to dot, dot, dot. Do you see how we're just so keyed in to fixing the outside of things? If only we move out of this neighborhood, things will be better. We are so ready to think that we somehow will be changed on the inside by rearranging the deck chairs. So what have we covered today? We've covered some important things. First of all, we're talking about the basics of the mind-body connection and our nature of life itself. We explored the nature of ourselves in terms of how we relate to God. We talked about three parts existing in us. Our immortal spirit that part of us connected in at the highest level to God itself. We talked about our embodied soul and mind. That, of course, being temporary. Our, our mind literally passes on when our bodies pass on. And then we've talked about our temporary physical bodies. We've also talked about the idea of the long view of things. We are more than just this lifetime. I do not have to get 
10,000 years of activity done this weekend before 5 o'clock. It may feel like it sometimes, but there is all the leisure in the world because you are an eternal being. And then finally, we talked about three key principles. The life principle, the idea that spirit, that God itself actually wants to experience and have more life, more love, more joy, more peace through us. And if we can tune into that, oh my gosh, life gets easy. We talked about the mind being the builder, that where our thoughts go, so our experience of the world goes, that it is the lens through which we see life. If we see life as full of abundance, full of light and love, that is what we are apt to experience, and that too can be easy. And then finally, we talked about the idea that the physical part of things is really just an effect, and that when we spend too much time dealing with the what, we really don't solve the long-running problems that are floating around in our heads and our emotional bodies and in our spirit. So we're going to be set up for doing some wonderful work later on this month. I want to close with a quote from the book here. She says, you now know my goal in this book. I'm going to teach you how to work with all of you, your body, your soul, your mind, and your spirit. This will happen in a way that helps you to create your own personal heaven on earth so that you can truly enjoy your life and live it to the fullest. In short, I'm going to help you make your life easy on every level and starting today. Let us pray. There is one life, one love, one joy, one peace, only this one thing. I call it spirit. And rolled into it is all of the good of the universe. Every good, sweet thing rolled up into this one idea of God. And I know it's there for me. I know that I am a part of that, that my spirit is bound up into that eternal spirit of God itself. And so that love is there for me, that peace is there for me, that joy, that abundance, and so on. Every good thing in spirit is also available to me. I celebrate that on this day. I recognize it, and I see through that lens. I begin picking it out in the world and seeing that love, that joy, that peace, that abundance, that health, all of it there to be seen, to be recognized, to be embodied. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for every person, every consciousness in the universe. Each of us has that ability to tap into that higher wisdom self, that spiritual nature of ourself where everything is possible. And as we begin to use our, our souls, that, that mental and emotional body in ourselves, as we begin to use it as the builder, as the creator within our outcomes become better and better. Our physical existence then starts becoming in alignment with, with that joy and that peace that is our spiritual nature. Soon, any problems vanish. They don't need a pill. They don't need the, the quick fix because they are fixed on a more permanent level. Literally, our hearts are healed on a permanent level. Our minds are emboldened on a permanent level. We recognize that divinity within that allows us to create a life full of love, full of peace, and full of joy. 
And for this, I give great thanks. This knowledge, this power, I give great thanks to it. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.